Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're thankful to share time on this program with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Elder Joe Nettles. And we'd invite you to come and worship with us at Macedonia Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, or Sulphur Springs Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And then also we have a joint meeting in Starkville, Mississippi, at 6 p.m., located at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road. And we would love to have you come out and worship with us. Love to meet you. If you have any questions or you just listen, we'd love for you to contact us. You can email us. You can write us if you want to write through postal mail. You can find that on the website gospel-of-grace.com and you can find our contact information and other past messages and a church that may be close to you and also you can find good content and a summary of these radio messages that at least the, the ones that I've delivered at macedonia-pbc.org so we hope that those websites can be edifying for you this morning we want to continue our consideration of Jesus Christ in the law And we want to focus on the feast this morning. There are various feasts in the Old Testament that are pointing toward various aspects of Jesus's life, both his first coming and his second coming. And we want to consider those together. And we certainly hope that this will be edifying and profitable for you this morning. Please stay tuned and we'll consider those verses together right after this song.
Hello again. Thanks for staying tuned to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast this morning. We've been trying to consider together Jesus Christ and the law, and we have went through various aspects of the Mosaic Law for quite a while now, and we hope that those thoughts and study have been edifying for you. And this morning we've arrived at the Old Testament Feasts. And we want to give you an overview of the feast in the Old Testament this morning and then focus on one of those feasts and focus this morning on the Feast of Unleavened Bread and also the Passover. And then in future messages, we will consider the rest of the feast. So all throughout the uh, Mosaic Law, you have different commandments to observe feasts and holy days. We use the word today holiday. Well, that comes from a observance of of a holy day, holiday, right? So these were holy days that were commanded in the Old Testament, and they were various feasts. And obviously, feast is the root word of festival. So God is the God of festival. God is the God of festive joy. And that's a beautiful lesson. You know, God is a holy God, and he is sovereign, and he is powerful. But God is a God of joy, a God of festive joy. And and he gives us these feasts in the Old Testament for his people to celebrate his blessings in their life. And we should be celebrating God's blessings in our lives today as well, that we have an ongoing festival. We have an ongoing feast because of Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf that has secured our eternal salvation. So we have an ongoing feast. Praise God for that, right? God, the God of festive joy. God expects us to enjoy this life. Don't be content here in this world. I hope your your heart is turned toward heaven. But God doesn't expect us to be curmudgeons and, as the old saying goes, baptized in lemon juice. No, we should be happy, right? We should be happy and joyful. And God gave his people in the Old Testament, even under the law. I mean, we're under grace now. Praise God, right? But even under the law, he gave them these feasts to celebrate God's blessings in their life with festive joy. And we should celebrate God's blessings in our life with festive joy as well. In Leviticus chapter 23, we have a summary of these feasts, and depending on how you classify it, uh, you could say seven feasts, seven holy days. Uh, Two of them are really more of offerings. The Passover and the Day of Atonement are really more of an offering, but all of them are highlighted in Leviticus chapter 23. And if you take the various feasts along with those two offerings, you arrive at the number seven, right? And we've certainly seen that the number seven, the biblical number of perfection and completion, has been replete all throughout the law. And the number seven is obviously very important in this lesson as well, especially when we get to the last few feasts, the Feast of Trumpets and then the Day of Atonement and then the Feast of Tabernacles. Those all occur in the seventh month right? No surprise. The seventh month is when all of those fall festivals were intended to be observed. So in Leviticus chapter 23, we have a summary of all of these feasts and festivals and then the various offerings that are associated with those. So the seven feasts, if you will, the seven holy days that God appointed is first of all Passover, second of all the Feast of Unleavened Bread, third the Feast of First Fruits, fourth, the Feast of Weeks, or we know that better as the Feast of Pentecost, 
And those are the spring observances in the first and the second month. And then in the seventh month, you have the observance of the Feast of Trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Ingathering. So seven holy days, and four of them are in the spring, and three of them are in the fall. You have three of them, three feasts, that all of the males, all of the people of Israel, are commanded to go to Jerusalem to offer a free will offering. Those have become known as the pilgrimage feast. Well, the pilgrimage feast are the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. So you have seven feasts as a whole, two that are primarily offerings, the Passover, and then also the Day of Atonement, and then you have four in the spring, three in the fall, and you have three that you are commanded to go to Jerusalem for, the first of those being the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the Feast of Weeks, which is 50 days after Passover, 50 days technically after the offering of the first fruits, but that was typically very close to Passover. And then in the fall, you have the requirement to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And just kind of backing up a little bit in a broader picture, we talked about a, a holy day or a holiday. If we go back to creation, we go back to the observance of a day that was sanctified, that was holy. That's what God did on the seventh day, right? No surprise. The seventh day of biblical number of perfection and completion. On the seventh day, God had completed the work of creation, and he set aside and sanctified that seventh day as a Sabbath, a Sabbath of rest, but he consecrated it as a holy day. And that's where we get our word holiday from. Now, the word holiday today uh, we observe various federal holidays in America, and they're not necessarily associated with any holy days. They're just days that you might get off work. But the, the root word for holiday is a holy day, and it comes from the Bible. And we have references to these holy days all throughout the law, but the establishment of that first holy day is the seventh day of the week when God rested after he had finished creation, and he established the seventh day Sabbath as a holy day. And then, of course, as we've considered in the past, that God reiterated that commandment to observe the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments. Christ is the fulfillment of that Sabbath, and now we worship on the first day of the week in commemoration of Jesus Christ's resurrection. So, we have seven holy days, and four of those at the beginning of the year, three of those in the fall, and we will consider the rest of those in uh, two more messages, Lord willing. But this morning, we want to focus on the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. Now, the Passover actually began the Feast of Unleavened Bread, if you will. And I'm going to assume that you are familiar with the original account of the Passover from Exodus chapter 12. You remember that Israel was in bondage for hundreds of years to Egypt, and then God sends these plagues upon Egypt, and then Pharaoh hardens his heart at various times, and he promises to let him go, and then he doesn't let him go. God sends all these plagues to bring Egypt to their knees. And then finally, the final judgment, 
final tenth plague, the final tenth judgment, was going to be the death of the firstborn, and God was going to send his destroyer. He was going to send his angel to deliver judgment on everyone that was not covered by the blood of the Lamb. Okay? And hopefully you're familiar with that original account of the Passover. So there was the observance of the Passover, the original observance, and then the Lord told them to remember that perpetually, to remember that God has delivered us from bondage, right? And then after the observance of the Passover, then that began the, and then after the observance of the Passover, that began the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it's kind of an eight-day feast, if you will, began with Passover and then seven more days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the first thing we want to note is that this was commanded to be observed in the first Jewish month. And we would know that first Jewish month today as Nisan, or it's referenced some places in the Bible as Abib, but Nisan is the more common usage of that first Jewish month. And that was in the March to April time frame of what we're used to. And it wasn't the timing of Jewish months were based primarily on a lunar cycle. So it wasn't March the 1st to March the 31st that we're used to. It's roughly mid-March to mid-April. So all of these months are kind of mid-month to mid-month. So the first Jewish month is known as Nisan, and that would correspond to our March and April time frame. And then the seventh Jewish month, we won't consider those feasts today, but just for your reference, the seventh Jewish month is known as Tishri, and then it's referenced some places in the Bible as Ethanim. So the seventh Jewish month is in the September to October range. So keep that in mind. So backing up to Exodus chapter 12, Israel was in bondage to Egypt and the Lord gives them a commandment to perform the original Passover. Now the word Passover literally means that they would make a offering of a lamb and put that lamb upon the door facing of their house. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But literally when God saw the blood of the lamb, he would pass over judgment of that house. And the reason why a individual house was passed over was not because they were just because they were Israelites. No, and if an Israelite was negligent to not put that blood up on the door facing of his house, his firstborn would have been slain too. So that that is such an important doctrinal point in an eternal sense, right? Is that all of us are under the judgment of God, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are in peril of the destroyer consuming us because we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've offended the righteous law of a holy God. And the only way in which we are protected from the destroyer is that we are covered by the blood of a lamb. And that's why God passes over, right? That's why God passes over judgment of his people is because of the blood of the lamb. So there in Exodus chapter 12, God told Moses to command the Israelites that on the 10th day of the month, the first day of the month, on the 10th day, you choose a lamb from your house, a male lamb, 
the first year without blemish. Obviously, without blemish, all of this is pointing toward Jesus Christ, right? He is our Passover lamb. He's our Pascal lamb. And you're going to choose the lamb, Jesus Christ, the, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, right? So the 10th day of the month, and if you look at the timing of the last week of Jesus's life, there's some important things that happened that last week, and we're not given the exact day, but you could presume that maybe on that 10th day was when his he was anointed by that woman there in Bethany, and he was consecrated, the lamb was set aside on that 10th day because Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was crucified on that 14th day of the month that corresponded with the Passover, but then that 10th day, a couple days before, he'd already entered in Jerusalem, and a couple days in that early week. I guarantee you there was something very significant that happened on that 10th day. Scripture doesn't give us precise dates of those things, but some have presumed that that 10th day backing up from the date of Jesus' crucifixion was when he was anointed previously, that he said he was anointed for his burial. And I think that makes sense to me. So the 10th day of the month, the lamb was chosen, again, a male, first year, without blemish, pointing toward Jesus Christ and his sinless nature as the lamb of God. All the congregation would slay their lamb on the 14th day at even. And if when you map this out, if you study this, Jesus Christ was crucified on the 14th day of the first month on Passover, right? He was crucified on Passover because they partook of the Passover. You remember that? He took the Passover, and after they had completed the Passover, that's when he instituted the Lord's Supper. So Jesus was crucified on the 14th day of the first Jewish month in conjunction with the observance of the Passover, so then the original commandment of the Passover to those Israelites in Egypt was to slay the lamb, take a hyssop and dip the blood in a basin and put it up on the two side posts and the upper door post of the house. And if you mesh together the horizontal upper door post and the vertical two side post, you mesh those together, it gives the form of a cross, right? So the blood of the lamb was applied in the form of a cross, and then God's destroyer, when he went out to seek judgment, when God sent that angel of judgment, he would pass over that house when he saw the blood upon the door of the house in the form of a cross. And that's what God did for us as well, right? The blood of the lamb was shed on our behalf. He sees that blood. And that is how we are passed over from eternal judgment in the lake of fire and the second death. Now, God commanded that no stranger would eat of the Passover. Only circumcised Israelites and servants could partake. And in the New Testament, circumcision or uncircumcision of the flesh doesn't avail anything, but circumcision of the heart, right? Circumcision in the new birth, circumcision of the heart. So this passing over and the application of the blood of the lamb in the form of a cross, it only applied to those that had received circumcision. And that applies in the new birth too, right? The only ones that have received that circumcision of the heart are those that have been covered by the blood of the lamb. They were eaten under the protection of the blood. They could not go outside, okay? So you didn't just eat there, have supper, and then you just go about your merry way. You had to be protected inside that house all night because if you went outside, you would be under 
the judgment of God. They would not break a bone of that lamb. That's very important, right? Jesus Christ, not a bone of his was broken, which is pointing toward the eternal security of all of his children. When they got ready to break their legs to get them to die, they went over to Jesus and he had already given up the ghost. So not a single bone of that lamb was broken back in the Old Testament and not a single bone of the lamb of God was broken when he sacrificed for our sins. You would eat the flesh that night, roast it with fire, unleavened bread, and eat it with bitter herbs. That, that describes the uh, suffering that Christ endured on the cross on our behalf. He drank the cup of God's wrath down to the dregs, right? It didn't taste good. It was He was roasted with fire in the judgment of God. He, he endured the eternal wrath of God in six hours on the tree of the cross somehow in some amazing mystery. And he drank the bitter herbs that were ours. He drank those bitter herbs on our behalf. Let none of that Passover remain until the morning and burn anything that is not eaten. And we know that the uh, Passover was on the 14th day. The 15th day was the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that was a holy day, a high Sabbath, as it talks about in the Gospels, a holy convocation, a high Sabbath. And they had to make sure they got Jesus down because remember, the Jewish day started technically at sunset. So uh, not necessarily always at 6 p.m., but technically at sunset. So let's just say roughly 6 p.m. And they, they had to make sure they got Jesus down off of the cross before then because they couldn't do any work on that holy day. So Jesus was taken down off of the cross before the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So remember, none of that could be left until the morning. And Jesus Christ was taken off the cross prior to the beginning of that holy day. And then those original Israelites, they said, eat with your loins girded, shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You need to be ready to go. You need to observe this Passover with an expectation of God's blessing. And you need to have your shoes on your feet and ready to go. And then we know the beautiful story that God, he slew the firstborn of Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh finally succumbs. And then not only did they leave, but the Egyptians were so sick of these Israelites that they let, they didn't just get out of bondage as poor beggars. They came out of bondage with riches untold, right? These, these, these Egyptians were just throwing jewels and, and all these material blessings at them saying, take this and get out of here. We're tired of y'all. We're tired of all these horrible plagues. And now my firstborn son has died. Get out of here and take anything you want. So they came out of bondage, but they came out of bondage rich. And he told them, you need to be a partaking of this Passover with your staff in your hand, with your shoes on your feet, and you be ready to go because God's going to bless you. So that was the amazing first deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. And then he told them that you need to observe this on a regular basis so you can be reminded of God's blessings of deliverance from the bondage in your life. And then if we fast forward to the New Testament, what happened, right? Jesus partook of the Passover uh, and the, the unleavened bread and the wine. And then he instituted the Lord's Supper that he's commanded us to observe. And the reason why he did that, to be in remembrance of him until his second coming, the reason why he told us to observe that is so that we would be reminded, just as those Old Testament Israelites will be prone to forget the blessing of God's deliverance out of bondage, he gave us the Lord's Supper for us to be reminded of our deliverance from the bondage of sin and being passed over of the judgment of God by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? So God gave us that to remember. 
So the Passover is on the 14th day of the month, and then the 15th day was the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The first day was a holy convocation. No, no work was to be done. That was what the Gospels call a high Sabbath, a high Sabbath, because it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and all leaven would be removed from your house. You make an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days, and then the seventh day also is also a holy convocation, a high Sabbath, and no servile work would be done there. There would be various offerings for each of the seven days, offer two young bullocks or rams, seven lambs of the first year without blemish, meat offerings, a goat offering, a goat for a sin offering, and the daily burnt offerings, etc., etc. And by way of conclusion, just to certify this, in your mind that this is all pointing toward Jesus Christ, the New Testament makes it very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Jesus Christ was our Passover. He was our Pascal lamb that his blood was shed, that was applied to us. And because of the shed blood of the lamb that was applied to our souls, that was applied to the judgment book of God in heaven, because of that, God has passed over judgment. And we have been redeemed from the bondage of sin We've been liberated from the wickedness of Egypt, of this world, right? And now we have the privilege of pressing into Canaan's land and partaking of the blessings of the kingdom of God on this side of glory. So in the weeks to come, we will consider the rest of the feast. And we just want to thank God this morning for sending his son, sending the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, to take away the sin of his people and to save his people from their sins. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God forbid that we should glory save in the blood of the lamb, save in the blood of our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who is sacrificed that we would be passed over of the judgment of God. We're thankful to have you here with us on the program today, and we pray the Lord will richly bless you in honoring the Lord and worship on this Lord's day. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, 
just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.